Hello and good day. Welcome to this episode of the podcast. In today's episode, I'm joined by a special human by the name of Megan Johnston. Her and I met last year and in the episode we talk about that as well as what Megan was like as a small, small, big kid. (laughs) Um, She also tells us about how she dealt with people pleasing as an eight-year-old and she sends out her big kid shout out into the world. And I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode. I'm also excited to welcome more people onto the podcast as the year progresses. So if you have an interesting child story, I would love to hear about it. Don't forget to leave a voice message over on the show notes and go and check out all of Megan's links there too. Website, Instagram, all the goodies. Ready? Let's jump right in. Hello, and welcome to the Big Kid Podcast. I'm your host, Katie C., life coach, children's yoga instructor, and mindfulness ninja. Every week, I'm here to help you navigate the craziness that is life with more courage, more kindness, and less judgment. Spoiler alert, none of us know what's going on. We're all just a bunch of big kids, and we know that life is better together. So go grab a snack and a seat as we dive on in. Starting off, can you tell us a little bit more about you and what makes you a fellow big kid? Oh, I love that question. Goodness me. Uh, So hi, everyone. My name is Megan Johnston, and I live in Ottawa, Canada. (laughs) I am, I think like many of us just on the journey of life. And that journey has had so many twists and turns. And the kind of current space I find myself in right now is um, in the yoga and wellness industry. I'm a yoga teacher. I've been teaching yoga for about 10 years, but in the last year or so have really dedicated myself to that in a full-time capacity with a special interest in mental health and wellness. And a part of that is taking yoga off the mat and into community organizations and workplaces. Mm. I think what makes me a, a fellow big kid is really this deep, deep belief and reverence in many ways for um, having a curious heart and just a willingness to be surprised by the world, surprised by myself and to be open to possibilities from Mm. that kind of space where we're not always overanalyzing, but we're really just witnessing and in a state of wonder, wonder of what's possible and wonder in terms of awe and excitement. That's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the name of your podcast too, right? It is. Yeah. With Heart and Wonder, which was really trying to put a name to the way that I try and show up in the world, which is, you know, showing up in a a heart-centered way 
and showing up in a way where we're always open and alive to what's possible within us and around us. And mm-hmm. I think that when I, I think, I think actually, and, and I remember, so I'm turning 30 actually next week. <gasps> next and, week. Oh my yeah, God. Next week. And I am. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so when I, I remember kind of when I was in my early twenties and there was kind of this almost sadness in a way for having lost touch with what I kind of thought of as like more childlike states of, of being in really in that space of heart and wonder, like being in the moment and being kind of alive to, to what is, is happening in a way that is filled with presence where you're so in tune with the senses and with what is happening in the here and now. Mm-hmm. And you're out of that state that I think we can get stuck in as big kids sometimes in where we're stuck in the overanalyzing Definitely. and whether that's analyzing that is really founded in our beliefs about the past or our worries about the future. And I remember in my twenties kind of feeling like almost mourning this lost sense of those, those things that I associated with children Mm -hmm. and with childhood. And it's been really cool to reclaim that. And I feel like as I'm going into my thirties, I, I, in many ways actually feel more aligned with the playful and joyful part of my, my inner child than I did, you know, several years ago, which is kind of a cool place to be. Definitely. Yeah. 30s rocked me. It rocks me hard. (laughs) (laughs) Because I think of um, where I thought I would be like as a young, young kid. um, I figured, you know, like married, house, kids, the usual by like 25. That seems reasonable, right? (laughs) For our kid brains. And then I get to 25 and I'm like, oh, hell no. No, no, no. Put that stuff off. That and was then, 28 for me. And I, yeah. I don't know if it was similar for you, but for me, it was because I knew ever since I was a child that my mother had had me when she was 28. And so that just, I, it was just in my brain that I was meant to have children when I was totally. 28. And so mm-hmm. that, that when I turned 28, it was this real sense of like, where am I? Because it's not what the child me thought. Definitely. Yeah. It's kind of like a grief and then letting that go. It was such an interesting perspective <laughs> and yeah, it was, it's beautiful. But interesting too, right? Because it's not like, it's like, it's not like we made a conscious choice of 25 no. or 28 being the age we were going to be grown up. Totally. It's, just, it's like this, this kind of um, really subconscious learned way of viewing the world that's completely based on our own experiences. Mm-hmm. I, when we used to be able to be in rooms together, I would have conversations with people and then they would turn to me for the answer. And I'm like, well, no, no, no. We need a more adult adult. I'm like, no, no, not me, not me. Oh, <laughs> so, that's too funny. Yeah. Sometimes. Oh man. Um, so One thing for me that I've also found strange my entire life is making friends. And eh, as an adult, especially now that 
we're living so much of our life online than ever before. It's even harder to make friends. And so I want to help others do the same, step out of their comfort zones and make friends. So I want to do um, a big kid shout out to you really quickly and talk about what drew me to you and really how our friendship kind of started. This is so beautiful. You can add in anything else you want later. (laughs) Okay. Hi, Megan. Thank you so much for joining me on my podcast, Big Kid. How are you doing today in the state of COVID and it just being Thursday? No, it's not even Thursday. It's Tuesday. My God. Oh my gosh. That was the greatest introduction. (laughs) I was like, as you were talking, I was like, is it Thursday? Is it Thursday today? Have I missed two days of the week? It's because I I was trying to skip my root canal. That's probably what I was There we go. There we go. I 100% get that. I'm I'm feeling good today. Yeah. We were chatting a little before. I've been under the weather and today woke up and for the first time in a few days, wasn't just thinking about like drinking water and going back to bed, but was Mm -hmm. able to think about being in the world in a more creative, engaged way. And so that felt really good. I love it. And I'm so glad you were here. I'm so, so glad you were here. I'm excited to be here. Um, uh, We met last year at the Imperfect Bosses Camp in Ontario and I was terrified straight up because it was the first time I was going to such such a large place by myself and knowing that I was going for a conference in a camp that's three hours away from the airport. <laughs> like I, I know that I would have an escape, but at the same time, not really. <laughs> and so I was really again, terrified. And so before I arrived, I definitely cyber stalked everyone, (laughs) especially um, when we got sent, who would we, who we would be bunking with. And at first, um, when I scrolled onto you, first thing I noticed was your smile. And I'm just like, oh, (laughs) your smile just made me feel so at ease. And when I arrived at camp, honestly, it was one of the first things that I was looking for. And it brought me that again in that crowded kind of room. So thank you. (laughs) Um, I, why am I crying? What is I'm crying too. (laughs) I didn't know that was going to (sighs) happen. All right. (sighs) Okay. Um, and then, yes, uh, we got bunked together with a bunch of lovely, lovely ladies. Hello to them too. Um, and I woke up early and joined Megan for a couple of yoga classes that were very chilly, (laughs) but very lovely. (laughs) And that first day. kind of romantic. We had one that was just the two of us. (laughs) That one was my favorite. That's what I was thinking. Um, yeah, um. And we learned to like the, the dock was slippery, but at the same time, that sunrise, my God, it was beautiful. <sighs> so, yeah. Um, and then <laughs> with just watching you, because that's what I do. I'm a two. Are you a two? Unsure. I, I think I'm a four, but I'm mm, not a hundred percent positive. But I'm told that that is the problem with fours. They never think they're fours. (laughs) So as camp went on and we had more serious conversations together, I was really 
drawn just to your calmness and I gained so much respect for just watching you ask for the things that you needed, especially during group discussions and you just would need more time to contemplate, develop your thoughts and your words. And I found that really beautiful because you would always come back to the group with such beautiful words. And I think that's why your podcast is fucking killing it. I just remembered we were on mine. I can say fucking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then I remember when I think of camp, the first memory is always the our tarot card night when all of you guys just whipped out all of your tarot cards. And I'm like, oh my God, I've always wanted to do this, but I was always told it was wrong. And I even ended up buying the same tarot pack as you. So I legit think of you every morning when I pull a card. So I love that so much. <sighs> mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I found obviously all of that was like even before like really connecting heart to heart. Well, I think all of those things connected us. Um, But to initiate even a conversation, I found that we had our common love for yoga and meditation. And so that's how I started the conversation. But those are also the things that drew me to you. So big, good shout out. I love you. I love you. Thank you for all of those things and so much more. Mm, Thank you. Thank you for friendship and for Oh, sending you big hugs. Oh, my goodness. Ontario is beautiful. I will totally come back there. (laughs) Ontario's great. Yeah. I mean, we don't have mountains, but we've got lots of trees and lakes. Yeah. Loved it. Well, next time, come here. I'll show you mountains and more lakes. But yeah. Yeah. I have family actually in Alberta. Oh, yeah. That's what we talked about. Yeah. In Calgary. And so, um, and, uh, there's we go to Kenmore actually quite a bit for a little family get-togethers which is just so beautiful mm-hmm. well now you have another reason let's hang out we can Absolutely. eat ice cream <laughs> okay let's do it <laughs> all right Sign so <laughs> done done do you have a go-to tactic when it comes to like meeting new people like I like to think of um, a commonality and then kind of go from there but do you have any? I would say I'm kind of an awkward hot mess in the <laughs> sense of just like like um, like the throwing spaghetti on the wall and see what works. Like I, I really just kind of uh, I don't I don't have a go-to tactic, I don't think. I uh, I can be a little so I am definitely an introvert, but one of the ways that I manage my own kind of social anxiety is to be a little more uh, upfront with people (laughs) when I'm meeting them for the first time. So there's this classic story actually of, um, so when I started university and I moved into residence and we, we were, everyone kind of moved in during the day and we were all told, super odd, (laughs) we were all told (laughs) to meet on the second floor bathroom at like four o'clock or six o'clock or something. Now, the reason we were meeting in the bathroom was because I was in a very old, weird shaped building where we didn't have any common space. And um, the building, instead of it being like, if you think of a normal, oftentimes residences are 
kind of um, divvied up in terms of like floors and everyone on a floor is together. We had mm -hmm. staircases. And so they, it was this like <laughs> strange staircase with, with no common space. It was a really cool building. It was kind of Harry Potter-esque. Um, but that's what I'm picturing in my Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But so, but we, we all met in the bathroom. And so I can like vividly remember coming into the bathroom and, and no one knew every, anyone and no one was talking and our kind of leader wasn't there yet. And mm. I was the one to break the ice and to kind of just like start talking. And I remember um, my friend, Emily, who later became one of my best friends at, at university. She, she was like, you, it was so weird because you just started talking and no else, <laughs> you know, you were just trying to, to talk and to break the ice and to get yeah. people talking. And so I definitely am someone who if like people are standing around, I'm going to start a conversation mostly yep. not because I'm extroverted, but because I want other people to feel safe <laughs> and I don't want anyone else to feel awkward. And 100%. I know how awkward it feels when you're like by yourself that I will go up to people and start a conversation. But I haven't always been like that. I was a super, super shy kid. Mm -hmm. I feel the exact same way. Okay. I was, people have always assumed that I'm an extrovert, but I'm actually very introverted. <laughs> so yeah, it, it, it's interesting. There's that it's learned funny. behavior and also that yeah. element of, um, I used to have a boss who said, you know, like I'm an introvert, but I'm an extrovert because of my job. And mm. I can imagine, you know, with the work that you do and, and definitely some of the work that I've done in the past. Well, most of my jobs have been in education. I like as a teenager taught dance and was a camp counselor. And, mm -hmm. and then, you know, I worked in higher education and I did teaching and like, they're all extroverted jobs. And so you get used to talking to people. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm not nervous when I'm totally. doing it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I get that for sure. Yeah. People will ask, how, how are you confident? I'm like, this is all a joke. Because <laughs> on the inside, it's completely different. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So knowing that you do have your love of yoga and meditation, and you mentioned that you've been doing it for 10 years already, teaching, when was the earliest version of that, I guess? When did that or did it show up in your childhood at all? Like, what did that look like? Have you always loved to move? Oh, what an interesting question. I um, I actually am going to go at this one in a weird way that like is intuitively coming to me right now. Um, I've always been, as a child, I was a really sensitive child, like really emotionally sensitive. And because I was so hyper aware of my own emotions, I was really hyper aware of the emotions of others. Mm -hmm. But then the other, other thing that like really marked me as a child was a real love for imagination. Mm -hmm. And like some of my, um, my like the realest memories are like me sitting in my basement playing with my dollhouse yes. and like, and like the, and my imaginary friend and like my, um, and also I really love to write. And so like sitting with, with pen and paper and like creating worlds, reading, like for, for me, the kind of, um, the imagined realm 
as a space for connection and then the emotional realm were really important. And so as a child, I, I wasn't necessarily, I did dance, but I wasn't necessarily um, a big mover, mm-hmm. even though, and, and we can talk about this, I, I learned really late in life that I am a kinesthetic learner. And mm. that was something that I really didn't understand about myself until my 20s. Mm. But I, um, I really, I think, was really interested in, in a way, like to use big kid words, like in like the human condition. Mm-hmm. And I think that is, was kind of the early seeds of, of my interest in, in yoga and meditation, especially because the reason I'm so passionate about yoga and, and meditation and mindfulness and wellness um, is really an opportunity to come home to ourselves and to interact with ourselves in more loving and compassionate ways. Mm-hmm. And so I think those seeds were, were planted pretty early on. How would you describe yourself in the classroom as a kid? Yeah, absolutely. So I hated it. I didn't hate the classroom. What I hated is, is that every time I got a report card, um, I had, like, we used to have, I don't know if they still have these in the classroom. There was the section with your grades and everything. And then there was a section around your behaviors Mm. and the behaviors, at least in Ontario, um, would be things, uh, I don't, I don't know what was there, but I do know what was there um, was there was, I think like it was, it was kind of your behaviors around like, if you pay attention, if you are good at time management mm. and that sort of thing. Um, and I always didn't do well in terms of like participating and talking in class. Mm. And so in the classroom, I was very attentive. I've always been someone who um, is a really I like, I, I listen with my whole self, very attentive, very interested and engaged in what is happening. But at the same time, I was very shy and very nervous to put up my hand and to talk and to give answers. The other thing that's kind of weirdly unique about my education is that I went to a public school in Ottawa and I was in French immersion. And at the time, because of the way that the, um, the zones were carved up, my French immersion class for my year was so small that we were always in split grades, which Mm. maybe isn't out of the ordinary, but what was out of the ordinary is that I was in a triple split for three years. So there were three (laughs) grades in the same classroom. Ah. Um, So when I was in grade four, grade five, and grade six, it was three grades in the same classroom. And so it was kind of odd because it, it meant we were really kind of forced to do a lot of independent learning. Mm -hmm. And it also meant that our, like sometimes we were learning things that the grade sixes were learning while we were in grade four, just because (laughs) the teacher would sometimes, you know, do things together. And Mm -hmm. so it kind of was a weird learning environment, which I think also didn't help because Mm -hmm. the, the building blocks weren't in this linear way. I, I think uh, like, as I reflect later in life, I, I don't think that like French was a language that I ever felt really safe and 
able to kind of communicate my feelings in because I didn't have that grasp of the language and was nervous in it. Mm -hmm. And so as a student, it wasn't actually until after I left French, which I did when I got to high school, um, that I was actually able to like really feel like I could express myself Mm -hmm. and, and kind of excel as a student. And it was, if I think back to the younger years, um, I think that's one of the reasons I fell in love with writing was because the one class that we had in English was our English and our writing class. And, and that was where I felt like I was able to communicate what was on my heart. Mm -hmm. Whereas in French, I just never felt like I had the words. Definitely. So if that's how French was for you at the same time, what, and where did you consider your safe space? Yeah, it was in it was in storytelling and it was in yeah. reading. And that's why I loved English class. Mm-hmm. I um I loved reading and I loved writing. And I still remember, like I don't remember what I wrote about, but I can still visualize this like creative writing portfolio that we made when we were in grade two and three. And I can still see like the, um, we had the sticker board to keep track of our reading goals when we were in grade four, five, and six. And I, I loved reading and writing. Mm-hmm. I remember vividly of grade four and we were supposed to write a story and most people had like just a front page, but I wrote, pages and pages and pages and I couldn't stop and my teacher had to like cut me off he's like no 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 like this half it has to end and I'm like but it doesn't <laughs> I think that's why I love comic books was that like it would just the stories could go on and on and then universes and yeah but. yeah yeah <laughs> that that like imaginative world can keep going mm-hmm. when did yeah. you start wearing glasses when I was nine Yes. Yeah. When I was nine. So fairly early on. Yeah. I was one of the first kids in my class to have glasses and I was the very first kid in my class to have a retainer. Actually, I got my retainer, I think when I was seven Mm. and that was like, it was, it was rainbow and uh, rainbow and sparkly. Cause you could like get patterns on it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it had four colors. It was like pink, yellow, green, and blue and sparkly and yeah I remember that being like a great source of I got it like when it was still new and Mm. like shiny for people before retainers were like oh yeah I've been there seen that (laughs) so who would you say your safe people were Mm. who was your crew oh what a good question I uh I definitely felt that that family was a safe place for me. And they did actually, I was actually really cared for Mm -hmm. by a lot of kind of my peers and my friends of a similar age. I was kind of seen as being the the shyer one, but even with that, I, sorry, I have the hiccups. It's okay. (laughs) Oh gosh. Um, even, even though I was kind of the shyer person, I, I did feel really safe with the, there were, what was kind of neat is that because I was in these split classes, there was a group of, of seven kids 
and we were together from grade one to grade eight. And in grade seven and eight, we had other people join us. So we became a class of, you know, 30. Um, but that group of, of seven kids, it was small and it was intimate. And I felt really like safe and supported and held. Mm. And then also making, it was kind of like a safety, a safe space. And then from there I could go and, you know, in our split classes, make friends with the kids that were older and younger, but there was that kind of home to come back to. Mm -hmm. Do you still talk to any of those people? Not really. And the main reason for that is because when I went to high school, I actually separated from, uh, Mm almost everyone else who would have gone to the local catchment school and I went to an arts high school for creative writing so yeah yeah so I love that uh, that just continued yeah yeah so there's um I mean I still I still follow some of them and they follow me on on you know Facebook and Instagram and like occasionally like and, and comment and that sort of thing um but there haven't necessarily been like deep continuing friendships which I think is okay you know because I think our our kids selves and our adult selves are different and when we like interests kind of come and go and totally you never know when paths will cross again for the month of April on my website, we're focusing on people pleasing, which I feel is more than half of your life as a child, right? Absolutely. (laughs) You had a story um, where you experienced some big feelings around people pleasing. Can you share that? Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I had this experience, which has really stuck with me through the years. And again, it's like one of those really visceral memories where I can actually like picture myself at different, at different places. I I was actually talking to my 11 year old cousin today and we were talking about memories and whether we remember like how some people remember words and exactly what you say. And, and we were talking about how for both of us, we remember the visuals of like Mm -hmm. what it looked like and, and the colors and where we were standing spatially. So I remember that for, for this memory, it just feels really real. So yeah, it was, it was the start of a school year and I was about eight at the time and it was the start of a school year and there was, we had for the most part, we didn't often get new people in our, our classes. It was maybe one or two one a year, maybe sometimes. Some years there wouldn't be anyone new. I think in in my main grade that I was in, my kind of cohort, we only got a new person once for, you know, between grade one and and grade six. So we had gotten someone new, not in my grade, but the grade underneath. And I had become friends with, with this um, person. And I feel like I, I should give them names. Okay. We'll call, <laughs> we'll call, um, we'll call her Ruth. So I'd become friends with Ruth and she, we'd become friends over, over the first few weeks of school. And it was September and it was Ruth's birthday and she was new and she invited me to her birthday party. And I was the only person invited from her new school. And It turned out that on that same weekend, it was also going to be someone else's birthday and we'll call her mm, Amelia. 
So, <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was also going to be Amelia's birthday. And Amelia, um, what had been, you know, there before and, and almost everyone in the class was going to Amelia's birthday. And I was the only person that was invited to Ruth's birthday. Mm. And I was so overwhelmed at being invited to two different parties. What ended up happening is that Amelia really didn't want me to go to Ruth's party. Ruth mm-hmm. was new and didn't really know people as well yet. And I was actually told that I, if I went to her party, I couldn't be friends anymore <laughs> with her and that everyone else was going to be at her party and that I had to be there. And I remember I can see myself being on the playground and just feeling totally paralyzed, mm-hmm. like totally like shutting down inside with like, what in the world was I going to do? Because I knew that I still... I still wanted to go to Ruth's. I wanted to be at both birthday parties. And Mm -hmm. I I knew that I didn't want Ruth to be alone. And I didn't want to let my old friends down. I wanted to be there for a new friend. I wanted to kind of be able to be in all these places at once. I don't actually remember what happened behind the scenes because I do remember it was, it was pretty intense on the playground. <laughs> I can picture um, that. Yep. Yep. But, for sure. um, I think my parents must've gotten involved in, and mm. kind of talked to parents and I did end up going to both of the birthday parties. Oh, I, wow. yeah, I went to both and, and I remember going to both. And I also remember this feeling of feeling like I was disappointing people by mm. not being able to be fully in either Mm -hmm. experience and feeling like I was somehow letting people down Mm -hmm. and also feeling frustrated that I was in the middle, you know, and, and I know that I guess birthday parties on the same day is, is things that is something that happens often, or I know sometimes teachers try and coordinate things (laughs) so that it doesn't happen or there's all these new, new kind of guidelines around sometimes, you know, you invite the whole class or that sort of thing. But I just (laughs) remember in that moment, um, I just really wanted everyone to feel cared for and that I Mm. wanted everyone to feel like I cared about them and feeling really like that I was in this impossible position. And so when you'd asked me about a kind of childhood experience that kind of informed my way of being in the world and, and where I am and how I approach things, it's, it's a time that I, it's like a funny little instance, but it's one that I think of often because when I, as I grew older and as I started to assume more leadership positions, especially when I was in high school, top of mind for me was always, how do I create spaces where everyone can feel welcome? And how do I create spaces where people who are new and people who already know each other can all engage with one another? How do I create spaces where someone who's shy, like I was as a kid, feels seen and heard and like they're equally valuable and that they get the attention just as much as someone who maybe is um, a little, a little more charismatic. Mm -hmm. And so it's always been top of mind for me. And I think it actually led to a real passion in terms of thinking about creating supportive 
spaces, which for a while I did professionally. I worked in student services and higher education and was often thinking about how do we build community and how do we create connections that support people. Um, and it's what I do now in many ways in the, yes. the yoga classroom and and when I'm doing workshops or more immersive offerings is just really about building connection and making sure that people feel like they're able to show up in their wholeness and feel cared for in that. Well, I think it's safe to say that you are very great at that because that's exactly how I felt. That's exactly how I felt at camp. So, and I think even now, like, just online through what you are offering, like you're still able to continue to do that for people. So mm, thank you so much. I think it's, thank you. I think this, like mm, this invitation that you offer in terms of like thinking about our, our childhood and like thinking about these connections is really beautiful because like in many ways, like there is a lot of pain in thinking about like my childhood self and, mm -hmm. and how afraid I was so often of being seen and how afraid I was of saying the wrong thing or mm -hmm. doing the wrong thing. Um, but to see that that has actually resulted in a really beautiful attention and awareness to creating spaces that support others is really cool. Thank you. Thank you. It's funny because as a kid, talking about my feelings was the last thing I wanted to do. Shit. That's how I felt <laughs> for a really long time. I think probably until I started getting sober was when I'm like, no, okay. All right, let's face this. Like, and that's what, like the type of work we both do. And I think it's so interesting at the same time how we can do it in the same space and so differently and both so beautifully and just to support each other. I'm so thankful for you and camp and all of the things. So in that vein, it's now your turn for your big kid shout out. But yeah, I want you to use this time and space to send a shout out to someone that helped you along your way as a little kid um, or someone that pointed you in a direction maybe that you weren't expecting, but that's, that's the intention of the big kid shout out. So. Oh, I love that. Okay. What a beautiful invitation. I actually think what I'm going to go with um, is, is someone I don't often use as an example, which is kind of cool because there's other people who I do often use or, or talk about in terms of their, their mentorship. Um, but because we had that little conversation about kind of me feeling like for whatever reason, I just wasn't able to connect and with myself and express myself in, in the French language. Like I was in English where I was able to create these imaginary spaces and able to feel more confident in myself and, and my abilities. Um, I, the shout out is actually to the, the teacher who, mm. when I was in high school, gave me permission and we had a meeting with him. He was my um, grade 10 history teacher. And I mm. remember I came home and I was really upset because I couldn't, I was having trouble reading the textbook and it wasn't like, I, I was a sharp student in other ways. And like, 
like, you know, straight A's in, mm-hmm. in high school and university. But I just, I, I was having trouble and I loved history. I loved history so much, but I couldn't read the history textbook. And so we had this meeting with the teacher and my parents and, um, Mr. Summers was his name. And oh. he, he like so patiently and kindly and compassionately just invited me and, and said that it was okay if I switched to English. And, you know, in growing up in Ottawa, there was always this kind of pressure to be taking French and become fluent in French because so many people grow up and work in the government. And um, I, he really gave permission for me to let go of that. And it was interesting because what ended up happening is I switched into English and it let two things happen. The first thing is I started raising my hand more in class Mm. and I went from, um, you know, getting 70s and 80s in these French classes to getting 95s. And uh, I went from those not satisfactory in participation (laughs) to getting excellent and to getting awards. And the other thing that happened is I cleared up room in my timetable where I was able to take a dance class and Mm -hmm. I was able to reconnect with my body and the way that my body could process emotion. And so I think that I think it was really beautiful to have permission from an adult that you don't have to be good at everything and that it's okay to walk away because I wanted to push through in some ways, but I also didn't. And so it was really nice to have that permission. Yeah. He like the permission that you don't have to people please. Exactly. Exactly. Totally. Exactly. So yeah, it, uh, so yeah, shout out to Mr. Summers. Thank you, Mr. Summers. And thank you, Megan. I love you so much. Thank you again for spending time with me and everyone else. I want you to let the people know where they can find you and all of your things. Oh, amazing. Uh, Cool. So you can hang out with me online, should you like. I know we're in (laughs) online times right now. I'm on Instagram. It's at Megan L. Johnston. So M-E-G-H-A-N the letter L and then Johnston, J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N. You can also connect with me on my website, which is www.meganjohnston.com. And on my website, you'll find all the info on online classes or community meditations or the podcast and just a little more about me. So that's me. And I also though want to do like a big kid shout out for you because I was like thinking of doing one. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Which I feel like, yeah. So my big kid shout out for you is that I didn't actually like super hardcore creep everyone before we went to camp. It was just because I was so nervous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like looked at everyone, but I was like, I was like, mm, I don't know if this tells me anything about this. Oh, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what I, what I noticed for you and which I, we've kind of talked about at different times, um, but it's just like this, such a beautiful balance between, um, like a, a really calm and, and grounding presence and energy that makes people feel safe at the same time with this really beautiful commitment and excitement of play and playfulness. And one of my favorite 
like memories of you where I was like, oh, no. oh where no it's so good <laughs> where like I really saw you was uh we did this photo experiment at camp where we were mm. supposed to in front of the camera do some actions um and the the shutter I don't know anything about photography but the <laughs> shutter was being op- like held open which was yes. going to capture yeah. this movement and energy in such a way and I just remember you going up and I was like damn like (laughs) like she's like she's like in it right now and I was just like wow like I want to be like her like it just felt so like like I just felt like you like embodied this like essence of joy and Mm -hmm. that was so beautiful to see and so this balance of of the the common grounding and the playful is I think what makes your presence in this world so special. Thank you so much. And you know, what's funny is that I th- you brought me back to that moment and I was so excited by the leaves in Ontario because we don't have that here. And so I remember like I went up and I threw the leaves up. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but there was also like some tongue sticking out and like maybe like a, like a, like a, whatever this sign is like a, like oh, a- I usually do this like Shaka. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or peace sign. I always do peace signs. Yeah. There was know. something. There was gang something. signs. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> there was, there was like a lot happening and I was into it. Oh, thank you. You're lovely. Thank you. Thank you. Well, everybody, please know that all of Megan's stuff will be linked in the show notes on the website. So please check her out. You can also listen to the episode. That's what I was just going to say. Thank you. Go ahead. I was just going to say, come listen to the episode with Christina. We did such a great episode on play and it was, it was so much fun. We talked about play. We talked about kindness and that is episode 11 of With Heart and Wonder. So go listen to that. So much love. Well, friend, thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Such a pleasure. Well, friends, that brings us to the end of another episode. Thank you so much for choosing to spend your time with me over here with a bunch of big kids. As you travel through the world this week, remember that kindness drives change. We are all on this life journey together and it's nice to remember that you're not alone. Go and join in on the Facebook group and follow us on Instagram at Big Kid Pod. You can even go to the website to leave me a good old-fashioned voice message in the show notes. Go to kdccoaching.com. While you're there, sign up for the newsletter because every month I send out journaling questions and templates to take you a little bit deeper on the journey back to yourself. Sending you so much love from Canada. Talk to you soon.